Well, Tasha made Buck wait two years before Tasha agreed to go on a date with him. When they finally did get together, everyone knew that it was meant to be. Among the many things that they had in common, the couple bonded over their mutual adoration of Star Trek, old movies, fried bologna sandwiches, and a deep, deep faith in Jesus Christ. On Saturday, October 19th, 2013, Tasha and Buck were married at the High Praise Worship Center in Panama City, Florida. It was a joyous wedding. Tasha's grandfather walked her down the aisle and gave her away. Pastor Joshua officiated and gave the couple communion, and they also read letters that they had written to each other. There was tons of food and lots of family and plenty of friends at the reception, most from the church. They ended the evening with a big bonfire, making s'mores, and the newlyweds danced to the song, God Gave Me You. The next day, the couple drove to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for their honeymoon. They spent the week visiting museums, going to shows, and hanging out at a small, cozy coffee shop. On their last night, they ate at Burger King because they had been given a gift card, and they watched the Tennessee versus Alabama football game. The next morning, Sunday, October 27th, they woke up in the dark to get a head start to drive back home so they could get to the evening service. Because it would be a long drive, Buck encouraged Tasha to sleep. I'll be okay, he told her. Tasha remembers telling him that she would do so and that she loved him. Bundled up in a blanket because their heater wasn't working in their 2001 blazer, she lay back in the passenger seat, closed her eyes as they drove down Interstate 85. But at some point, she awoke to see the SUV rolling and rolling and rolling. It landed upside down in the median of Highway 85 near LaGrange, Georgia. The car was totaled, but she could still see the words Tasha and Buck in one of the back seat windows. No one knows what happened for sure. Buck was pronounced dead at the scene but Tasha didn't learn that until she was airlifted to the hospital. She remembers looking down and seeing her right leg was mangled and that her foot was gone. She remembers yanking her seatbelt to get out. She remembers screaming for her mother and her grandmother and anyone that she might know. She remembers all the strangers who came to her aid. The fabric of life on this earth can be just like this story. In the midst of the goodness of life, we can suddenly and tragically be involved in tragic, deadly accidents, deadly misfortunes, frustrated expectations, unrealized dreams. All of us have experienced some kind of dramatic circumstance in our journey through this world. And because it is so, we deeply and painfully still have those attitudes and thinking in our lives today. This was the atmosphere in which Isaiah wrote the words of our text for this morning. 
Isaiah lived at a time when God's people were living under a dark and heavy spiritual cloud. In their journey with God, they had wandered off the road that God had been leading them down. And as a result of their prostituting themselves by worshiping pagan idols and for living specifically, mostly for themselves, God, rather than loving him, loving them, actually cast his wrath in their direction by allowing the Assyrians of the north to invade and dominate Israel, thickening the gloom of their lives, but hopefully waking them up to the reality of God. It was into this dark pit of desperation that prophet Isaiah also spoke of the coming of the kingdom of God, where God himself would bring victory over the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people who ruled and reigned over our land within, and also within the hearts of God's people. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, tells us that our God is the king of victory. In the face of tragic accidents, deadly misfortunes, frustrated expectations, and unrealized dreams, God sovereignly rules and reigns and works out amazing rescues and turnarounds in the midst of despair. Think of Job, you know, the sudden turnaround of his life. In the midst of his pain and despair at losing everything, suddenly and miraculously, God restored everything back to him. Think of the many instances in the Bible where God delivered his people when they faced seemingly overwhelming odds, even specifically when Gideon defeated 120,000 men with 300. God specializes in that which is stunning and dramatic. And the most dramatic work of God is his ability to take the darkness of death and change it into the light of life. Think of our own lives, brothers and sisters. Where were we going before we knew Jesus? We were going to hell. We were going to the darkness for eternity. But then the light of Jesus entered the darkness of our hearts, and our spiritual lives did a 180 heading back to God. And it's only by the sovereign grace of God that we're changed. It's by God's sovereign power that we come to know the victory that we can have in Jesus Christ in this world and in the world thereafter. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has a light shined. The promise of the light given to the people who were walking in the darkness uh, in those days and in these days is the hope and victory and power of Jesus. Amen? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light is a promise to those 700 years before Christ entered the world and for those in Port Alberni 2,000 years later. But while the joy of victory we have in sin, over, over sin and over evil and over death was prophetic in those days, it's a reality to us in these days because of the cross. In Christ, we now know that the tomb of death is helpless against the living God who lives inside of us. Somebody's got to say amen about that. <laughs> this is an awe and wonder that is often lost in the Christmas season because we tend to focus on 
the baby Jesus in the manger. We all like babies. Babies touch our hearts in a special way. But while babies may be cute, and they, we may be struck by how miraculously they are made, babies are not as awe-inspiring as the awe, as the, the astonishment, as the wonder of Jesus, the Son of God. Amen? Begotten by God from all eternity, reflecting all the glory of God, being the very image and essence of God, through whom all things were created, upholding and reigning as king over the universe by the word of his power. We are just like babies. We'll never become greater than the baby Jesus, who is God himself. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Yes, a child was born in this season, and a son was given. And yes, he does sit on the throne of David, and over the kingdom over Israel. But this child was born also as the seed of God who planted, planted at the very entry point of sin into the world that he would fulfill a purpose to bring us back to him. We hear this and even see this in God's judgment on the, over the devil where he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this is the son that was given, not just a baby Jesus. This is the son who was given, who loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the world, excuse me, his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to that the world may be saved through him. The baby Jesus is God our Savior. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government Isaiah speaks of here is not like the governments we know. This government is a kingdom where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rules over the entire universe. Jesus came more than just a baby. He was came as a born as a king, claimed to be a king, worshipped as a king, and identified himself as a king, even in his death. His kingdom was and is and will always be everlasting. Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. His dominion is an eternal dominion of universal height, width, and depth. His kingdom extends externally beyond the governments of our earth and endures from generation to generation forever and ever. And this king has brought his light into the darkness of our lives. And this is his rule, his, his reign, his victory. And in our text that we just looked at, Isaiah lists the attributes and characteristics of Jesus as king that gives us victory in this life. He first says Jesus is our wonderful counselor. John 2.24 says that Jesus knew all men which means Jesus knows all of us. He knows all of our thinking. He knows everything that's going on in our hearts, everything that's going on in our lives. And a counselor does that. A counselor knows and understands and then gives guidance. Jesus has a counsel for every crisis, a plan for every problem, a direction for every dilemma, a prescription for every pain, 
and an answer to every question. When we're weary, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we are need, in need, Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. When we're worried or anxious, Jesus says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. When we are sick, Jesus says, Get up and take up your bed and walk. Jesus knows us. He knows our predicaments. He understands our lives better than we do. He knows our needs in the sovereign plan and purpose of his life and our lives. Jesus is the one who eliminates the confusion in our lives because he gives insight to us to the real issues of our lives. Jesus is the word of God who cuts through the fog and reveals the reality of God. He is our wonderful counselor who reigns and rules over everything that happens to us, everything we do, everything we know. Amen. Jesus is our mighty God, we read. The Bible tells us, excuse me, the Bible does not say that Jesus is like God. No, Jesus is God. Jesus is God in all his divinity, in all his omnipotence. He is, he is the sovereign one over all. He's totally in control of everything. In Jesus, there's no confusion, there's no chaos. In his book, God With Us, John MacArthur, MacArthur writes, Christ the King loves to step into a life of chaos and not only provide wonderful counsel, but also to display his divine power by bringing order to chaos. In other words, he writes, he not only tells his subjects what to do as wonderful counselor, he can also energize them to do it because he is the mighty God. Because he is God, he can forgive sin, defeat Satan, liberate people from the power of evil, redeem them, answer their prayers, restore their broken souls, and reign over a rebuilt life, bringing his order into our chaos. Amen for that. Someone once said, Jesus Christ dug deep the valleys, piled up the hills, and probed the mountains with his will. The moon and stars leaped into Jesus' arms. Jesus did not have to write his signature on the corner of a sunrise because he is the creator. Jesus did not have to place a laundry mark in the lapel of the meadow because he owns the meadow. Jesus did not have to carve his initials in the side of a mountain because he owns the title to that mountain. Jesus did not have to put his brand on the cattle of a thousand hills because he is the proprietor. Jesus did not have to take out a copyright from the songs that the birds sing because he wrote them all. Jesus, sovereign king, king of the universe, owns everything. In Colossians 1, the apostle Paul tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So what things does Jesus rule over? 
all things. Jesus is our mighty God, the one who gives strength and might beyond measure. While on earth, he demonstrated his power to heal, his power to forgive, his power over life, his power over sin, his power over death, his power over all. Jesus is our everlasting Father, we read. On John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are, are one. This is the, the mystery of the Trinity, which is beyond our understanding. And in that, it tells us that God the Father is also Christ the Son. Isaiah is saying the same here with a special focus on the eternality of Jesus and God. He is saying Christ is our everlasting, always, forever Father. Jesus will be God the Father long after Canada and the U.S. and the whole world become dust. He will be God the Father when the mist of our lives evaporates. Jesus will still be God the Father when the stars leap at his command from their orbit and when the earth melts in the blazing heat of his judgment. Jesus will still be God the Father after all the confusions are wonderfully resolved in heavenly understanding. When all our weaknesses become strengths, when all of our defeats become victories, Jesus will still be God the Father when we no longer wander through the desert wilderness of this life and end up at the end of the path in the glorious eternity before us. We all to some degree, due to the failures and successes of our earthly fathers, have varied views, warped sometimes, distorted perceptions about what it means to be a father. Jesus is the everlasting father, and so Jesus is the perfection of what fatherhood is. Jesus protects and sustains and provides and empowers and equips and he loves and he disciplines just like a father should. And like a father, Jesus cares about every aspect of our lives. As God the Father, Jesus loves us perfectly. He loves us unconditionally like a godly father should. Because Jesus is a perfect, holy, loving God the Father, he does not live out his shortcomings through his kids. He does things perfectly that we might know that standard. Jesus is our everlasting Father, our fatherly King. Jesus is also the Prince of Peace, we read here. Romans 5.1 says that since therefore we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The promised Messiah came to earth in order to bring peace to a once broken relationship with God. We were, we were created in God's image for the purpose of having this intimate, glorious relationship with him. But sin entered the world and broke that relationship. Jesus came into the world to die on a cross to restore that relationship. In Christ, again, we have peace with God. And peace here is the word shalom, which most of us know means the fullness and wholeness of life. But in Christ, we have a fullness and wholeness that is beyond our understanding. The victory of the cross is our peace. Jesus says to us, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. And we read in Luke 2, 14, the angels proclaim Jesus at his birth, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. 
This all speaks about the peace to come. The peace to come when Jesus comes uh, to reign and rule over the universe in the end. Brothers and sisters, it's going to be different when Jesus comes back again. It's going to be very different. The first time he rode on a donkey, he will return on a white horse. The first time he stood before Pilate, Pilate will be on his face before Jesus when he comes back. The first time Jesus was rejected, the next time he comes, every tongue will profess that he is Lord and Savior. The first time Jesus wore the crown of thorns, the next time he will wear the crown of glory. The first time Jesus walked on water, the next time he will step out of eternity and walk on the clouds with a rainbow of victory wrapped around his shoulders, with his arms open, with a smile on his face as the laws of gravity and time and space collapse and peace rains down on us like a waterfall as we stand next to him in glory. Jesus is our Prince of Peace, our King, our victory. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end on on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It was by the zeal, which means like passion, it's by the passion of the Lord Jesus that our King, who rules and reigns over all sin and all evil and all death and all life and all people and all the universe, that we now know victory over darkness. Light, now we know light over darkness. Now we know joy in the midst of gloom. Now we know peace rather than war. We now know in Christ mercy over condemnation, grace over sin, good over evil, life over death. Jesus is the glorious, all-powerful, victorious King who died on a cross and rose from the dead and rules and reigns forever because Jesus our King has come and he will come again. The old tradition says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The way we say it today is God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What this means for us during this season is that if Jesus is truly king, we will not be satisfied with just the baby Jesus. We must not let the joy of Christmas be the manger and the gifts and the trees and the food and the fellowship and the candles and cookies and the songs. The chief end of man is to glorify God by finding our greatest joy in Jesus Christ and let him be our only, one and only king. Jesus, as king of the universe, sits on his throne today at this very moment. Tasha knew that in the midst of experiencing a tragic accident. The catastrophic misfortune that took her husband, Buck, also took her right leg and part of her colon. But the accident did not take away her faith and her support, and her love of God. Her faith in Jesus Christ was even stronger. Tasha said she felt the glorious grace of God's presence as they pulled her from the wreckage, from the accident. All she says I knew was comfort and peace. 
She also said that she knew and knows now that her husband Buck is in a much, much better place because he knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. And on reflecting on her tragic accident, she simply said, I think God has a greater plan than my plan. This is what it means to know Jesus as king. God, who is Jesus, Jesus who sovereignly rules and reigns over all things, he does those things, even if you lose your husband or your right leg. Jesus is the wonderful counselor in the midst of terrible accidents. Jesus is our mighty, mighty God when we are a victim of a deadly misfortune. He is our everlasting father when our most passionate dreams are utterly shattered. He is our prince of peace when we are incensed by an unmet expectation. Jesus is our savior when we're faced with the reality of inbred sin that continues to to battle against our lives. Jesus is our Lord when we humbly obey him in spite of our rebellious nature. Jesus is our God, our King, our Creator, our Sustainer in in everything in our lives. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and told her about God's plan for her to give birth to Jesus, he said, He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will be no, in the, of his kingdom there will be no end. So a child was born and was given and today he rules and reigns. Not only in heaven but in the hearts of those who love him. This is what we celebrate in this season. Our king, our king has come. For all of us who missed the first coming, none of us here in this room will miss the second one. In Revelation 19, the Apostle John writes, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire, And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name of which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed with fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes the sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has written of the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Brothers and sisters, know today that whatever circumstance or situation or struggle that we have, Jesus is absolutely fully sovereignly in control to every minute thing that's going on. In John 16, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is our King, our resurrected Savior, who sovereignly and omnipotently rules and reigns over all the creation. In John 18, 37, 
We read that Pilate asked Jesus, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Jesus is our king and our savior forever. One of these days, lightning is going to fill the sky, rising from the sun to the place of its setting. And Jesus, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, will appear in the clouds with a host of angels in flaming fire. And it's then we will clearly see that Jesus is the king of the universe. And at that moment, we will tremble, either in deadly fear or joyous awe. And everyone and everything will stand before Jesus and with one voice proclaim the words of 1 Timothy 1.7, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As we celebrate this Christmas, may we all be overwhelmed by Jesus as our Savior, Lord, and King. And most importantly, that he would rule and reign in our hearts. Father, we bless you for this text today, that you uh, are so far beyond us and at the same token so intimately in us. And we pray, Lord, in this season that you would help us to understand more and more about all of these things that we've just heard about. And most of all, Lord, for us here at Aerosmith, we are going through transition and things are happening in our church and things are happening in this community, but things are also happening in the world, Lord. And the big picture is whatever happens here should be that of the kingdom. Help us be kingdom people for you. And that kingdom things would happen not only in us, but also in Port Alberni and to the ends of the earth. So we bless you for being our God. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we ask for your empowerment, your protection, and your glory in the days ahead. And all God's people said, amen.